Today on Locked On Anaheim Ducks, more pain for Anaheim, and it is Mailbag Friday. Coming up on today's Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank God it's Friday. How's it going, everyone? I'm your host, Jason J.D. Hernandez, covering hockey for over a decade. Reminder, you can hear this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Smoke Signal, Morse Code, Ham Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, make sure to follow me on Twitter at StimpyJD or follow the show at LO underscore Ducks. Also, also, rate, comment, subscribe. So I've been having a lot of press recently given the expansion drafts coming, given all the drama going on in Anaheim. So definitely check out both accounts. Yeah, let's get right into today's podcast. Yesterday was a Goals Thursday. Yesterday's was a lot more fun. And we're going back to normal now because we got to talk about the Anaheim Ducks who have now lost eight consecutive games. That is eight in a row. That is the equivalent of an 11-game losing streak in a regular season. Can you imagine if the Ducks had an 11-game losing streak? Well, I mean, you might not have to imagine it because the Ducks' next two games are against the Colorado Avalanche. That's certainly not a good sign for the Ducks. Let's call a spade a spade. They've lost eight in a row. Colorado is coming in as a very good team. They're riding kind of high. They're a hot team. But we'll talk about Colorado more later on or next time. Let's talk about Wednesday's game. Do we have to? Yeah, we'll talk about it for a few minutes. That's about it. So the Ducks, they were getting all their shots on goal from the outside, outside home plate. Despite the fact that the Ducks did outshoot and outattempt St. Louis in the first period, pretty much every shot was from outside home plate near the point, near the blue line. That's where all the shots came from. Nothing was a high danger chance for the Ducks in that first period. In fact, not much was high danger for pretty much the entire game, except for maybe one goal, and that was it. So first period, nothing really happening for the Ducks. As far as St. Louis, well, thanks to the Ducks and their terrific penalty kill. Oh, wait, 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 hold on. No Elite 1C? Well, surely the PK can't be that much worse, can it? Folks, um, no Elite 1C, so what do the Ducks do? Well, the Ducks go on the penalty kill in the first period. Josh Mahura was caught hooking, so right off the draw, St. Louis had control of the puck the entire way, and Oscar Sundquist got his fourth of the season on the power play to make it one nothing. That was a very good... That was good shielding happening in St. Louis's part. I thought they did a terrific job screening and preventing Gibby from seeing the puck. That that was great on St. Louis's part. This one, I mean, you have Getzloff out there. You have Fowler. You have Hockenpah, who's been pretty good on the PK. But it's games like this where you miss Derek Grant. And Wednesday night's game showed why he's important. I mean, yes, he's important for one particular reason. He'll win those defensive zone faceoffs, and he'll do well on the PK. So it's one nothing St. Louis. Then guess what? The Ducks draw another penalty. So guess what? Ducks go on the power play. Guess what happened there? Absolutely nothing. Halfway through the second, Jakob Silverberg was caught slashing. So St. Louis draws a penalty. 
Guess what they do with it pretty much right away. Seven seconds into the power play, Braden Shen scores his 11th of the season from Krug and Sundquist. That made it 2-0 Anaheim. This was a fluky goal. Again, Braden Shen, I thought, had a very good goal. Kind of like poked at a little bit. So that was a good goal on St. Louis's part. I'll give them that one. That was great. Another terrific screen by St. Louis. Then right after that, uh, the young kids were starting to come through. I have to give credit to Ryan Gesloff here. He made a terrific spin move to free himself, get an open look to Troy Terry, who had an absolute goal, but it went off the post, went right on the back of Jordan Bennington, who's back now, by the way. I thought that puck was going in off of Bennington, but it somehow stayed out. So who comes to the rescue but Max Comtois? He scores right on the messy garbage play. That made it 2-1 St. Louis. So Comtois going for the Ducks. Great great play, just picking up the loose change. Later on in the second period, a terrific chance right from the slot. Jakob Silverberg had an open shot and a lot of net, and he just missed the post. He was going for a bar down corner, which would have been fantastic, but he missed it by about an inch. It was close, folks. The Ducks were that close to tying up the game. That could have changed momentum, but it didn't, so it was 2-1 after two periods. Yanni Hockenpah was caught tripping, so on the power play once again, the Ducks try to keep the puck out of their zone, but they just cannot do it. This is a play that looks bad on Kevin Shattenkirk because Shattenkirk was trying to cover Jordan Cairo. Shaddy got spun around, lost sight of the puck. So as Cairo went through the zone, he found Zach Hanford right around the crease. And Zach Hanford picked up the loose change there. And that made it 3-1 St. Louis. Oh boy, Shattenkirk looked silly on that penalty kill. Late in the game, Trevor Zegras gets his first official NHL point, And this one will absolutely count. Ricard Raquel got a terrific shot from the faceoff dot. That made it 3-2 Anaheim. But that was with only about 9 seconds left. Uh, the Ducks had pulled their goalie. They pulled Gibby. Had six on five. Great goal by the Ducks, but it was too little, too late. St. Louis wins it three to two, and the Ducks lose their eighth consecutive game. Oh boy. We're going to talk just a little bit more about this game and begin to open up the mailbag. But first, let's talk about betonline.ag, the exclusive online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. They have all the sports going on right now, including baseball, basketball, hockey, you name it. Bet Online has it. They're your trusted online sports book experts. If you go to betonline.ag right now and use promo code locked on, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Once again, that's betonline.ag, the exclusive online sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network, and please gamble responsibly. Coming up after the first intermission, we're going to talk just a little bit more about this game. And we're going to open up the mailbag and we'll get to that on the other side. Welcome back. 
back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with Jason J.D. Hernandez. Eight in a row. Oh my gosh. The Ducks have lost eight in a row. That's the longest losing streak in the National Hockey League this season. Wow, that's a bad look for the Ducks. Hey, you know what? It could be a top three pick out of that. You never know. Uh, this quote was kind of brought back to me. I, for, I, I didn't forget. I mean, I knew I said this. And the picture of this was brought back where I made a quote that said the Ducks will have a successful season if they pick in the top three. Yeah, I said that. I might have to stand by that because I don't think the Ducks are going to have any more success this season because they're dead last. We're almost halfway through the season. Can you believe that? Next week, this time next week, we're going to be halfway through this season already. It's going really fast. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about Wednesday night's game. Do we have to? Yeah, we have to because there's a couple things I want to mention. Uh, The important one, the penalty kill. The penalty kill looks a lot different without Derek Grant in it. He is their best penalty killer on the team. And I know it's very limited to say, okay, Derek Grant has struggled this season. Yes, that is true. Derek Grant hasn't been the best player offensively. That's also true. But he's also been very good on the faceoffs, and he's been extremely good on the penalty kill, which is part of the reason why that's one aspect of the Ducks team that's actually been pretty good this season is their penalty kill. They were ranked in the top five in penalty kill. Not so much anymore. No, no, no. Their penalty kill percentage has plummeted in these last few games. I got to do some live research here because I don't know exactly what it is. Um, I didn't watch this game until yesterday, Thursday, because Wednesday I was at TSE covering goals versus rain. So I didn't see Wednesday night's game live. I ended up watching it on Thursday. And, oh boy, I'm glad I fast-forwarded through the commercials and fast-forwarded through some of that because, oh boy, it looked bad. It looked really bad. The Ducks looked bad on the penalty kill. The Blues were 3-for-3 on the power play. 3-for-3. That's Perfect. That's 100%. The Ducks plummet all the way down to 11th place on the penalty kill. Just by that one game, they went from around 86% all the way down to 81%. Oi. So they went from 5th to 11th just like that? You, You know it's bad. You know it's bad. It's bad enough their power play is just as bad. Their power play is among the worst in the NHL, third worst at 29%. They are barely hanging on by a thread, having a positive net power play percentage. Barely. That's how bad special teams has become. And without Derek Grant, that PK looks so much worse. As far as the young guys, yeah, I've said this often. Let the kids play. I'm not going to rant, but let them play. Just just let him play a little bit because look who performed well. Raquel, he's done pretty well. He's not a young kid, but he did pretty well. He's starting to get a little bit hot right now. He's got five points in his last three games. He's looking pretty good recently. Then you have Trevor Zegras, who actually got his first NHL point. Congrats to the kid. It should have counted before, but this one is official. It counts. So good for him. Troy Terry, I thought, had a terrific game. I thought he had a goal that was going to go in off of Bennington's back. It did not off the post. So I liked what I saw from Troy Terry. I also liked what I saw from Yanni Hockenpah, except for 
the penalty kill. The penalty kill was the one thing that kind of wrecked him a little bit. Unfortunately, those things happened. Then I also looked at the play of Sonny Milano actually did not have a bad game. His Corsi 4 percentage was very high. And his expected goals wasn't that bad. So Milano had a decent game despite not getting any counting stats. But some of the analytics say that he had a good game. And of course, I got to mention Isaac Lundestrom, who's been hot recently. He looked good. And Max Comtois, ninth goal of the season. Notice these names I mentioned. They're all the young guys. Steele had a good game. Comtois, Lundestrom, Zegras, Milano. Let the kids play. All right, that's all I'm going to say about that. So we're going to open up the mailbox in just a minute. So myself and John Broadbent posed this question, and this was kind of like a response question to us, see what everyone said. On yesterday's podcast, we made reference to Zegris and the lacrosse-style attempt that he nearly made on Monday night. Everyone is still talking about it. So he nearly scored doing the Michigan oral lacrosse style, and yet some people are against it. If you want to hear that full story, listen to yesterday's podcast. So we posed this simple question. Do you like the Michigan style goal? Is it fun hockey? The choices were, yes, it's fun hockey, or no, I hate it. Two of you out there hate it. Who are the two of you that don't like fun hockey? Who are the two of you that don't like the lacrosse style goal? Who are the two of you that don't like the Michigan? We want to know who you are. At least at least, give us your reason. Like, we're not going to bash. We just legitimately want to know why you hate it. Why don't you like it? If you voted no, please comment. Uh, leave a comment on LO underscore Ducks. Let me know why. Why do you hate it? That, that's all I'm asking. So I did get a few questions Some of these are the same question. Actually, three of these are the same question. So I'm just going to address it now and leave it at that. So three of you asked, okay, when is Eakins leaving? When is Murray leaving? This is a common question that is being rehashed with every mounting loss. I thought Eakins might go now. I thought he would have been gone after seven losses in a row, but that didn't happen. Now it's eight losses in a row and he's still there. I, I don't know. This combines with the news that Daryl Sutter is going to be coaching the Calgary Flames. He was working in Anaheim. He was a coaching advisor. So I, I guess we'll hear more news about Sutter later on if he was actually offered a head coaching job with the Ducks. We still don't know all that. Sutter, as far as we know, is still in Canada and he will be coaching the Calgary Flames. And he signed a three-year deal. Wow. Okay. So he's gone from the coaching staff. So maybe that's part of the reason why Eakins hasn't been let go yet. Maybe that's all they have for now. Just got to write him out. So I, I know that doesn't adequately answer the questions. But that's where the Ducks are. They've lost one person from the coaching staff. And they don't want to lose another one just like that. So there you go. Uh, I have a couple more mailbag questions, and I will get to those after the second intermission. Stay locked in. Western Union Telegram, Cablegram 2. Television, Radiogram, bring a message through. Pony Express and AML Shortwave. When you send this way, how much time? 
Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, I got a couple more questions here in the mailbag, and I'm going to get to those right now. First off, I want to thank you all for your questions. They are greatly appreciated. We're going to do this again in a couple weeks. We're going to keep doing this bi-weekly. So, yeah, uh, mailbag questions once again, locked on Ducks at gmail.com or drop questions on the DMs or, yeah, just drop me questions. All right, so we got two questions left, and I'm going to start off with this one from Jared, uh, Jared Ellis. He asks, well, okay, is John Gibson still wanting to be traded? Um, and, okay, big if, but if he were to waive the no-trade clause, what would it take for the Hurricanes to get him? Ooh, okay. So, yeah, there's all the rumors that players could be moved. There hasn't been a whole lot of rumors about John Gibson. The Ducks do want to hang on to him. But let's just say if, just theoretically, if he were to waive the no-trade clause, if he was really tired of losing and demanded a trade, what would it take for Carolina to get him? Well, if he demands a trade, Carolina doesn't have to give up that much. However, I have seen rumors about Jack Eichel out of Buffalo. He might want out, and there's unfounded rumors that it could be Eichel for Gibson and maybe someone else from the Ducks. I've heard those rumors. I don't know if I believe them. The problem with the Ducks letting go of Gibby is who'd be in goal? Miller for the rest of the season and Stolarz, and then you take away someone from the goals. That's a whole domino effect that they don't want. But just theoretically, theoretically, what would it take for Carolina to get him? I think Carolina would have to give up a goalie. The Ducks would ask for some kind of goalie. So they'd probably ask for Ned. I mean, Ned is a cheap option, only making 737000 this season. They would ask for Ned. I don't think they'd ask for James Reimer or Peter Mrazek. No. They wouldn't ask for either of those guys. They'd also probably ask for defensemen because the Ducks need help defensively. Probably not going to be Dougie Hamilton at that cap hit. So they'd probably go after someone like Brett Pesci. They'd probably go after, no, Hayden Fleury. They'd go after Hayden Fleury. He's a 24-year-old defenseman. He's a pretty good defenseman. And he can play on both sides. So I, I like Fleury a lot. That could be a possibility. And this could be a multiplayer trade. It could be just Gibby and Carolina have to give up multiple players. So they'd have to give up maybe Flurry and Ned and a draft pick to go along with that. So that's how I can see that trade happening. Thank you so much for that. And we have one final question and I have to open up the email bag for this one. Uh, I've been getting a lot of emails recently. So once again, for those of you that drop emails, thank you so much. I I love the emails. Love them a lot. This one is from Joseph. And he asks a pretty simple question. Do you see fans coming back to Honda Center late this season? It's becoming more likely. If you want my honest opinion, I think we are going to get there. I think it is going to happen late in the season. I would predict, if I was making a prediction, I would say mid to late March. We're already seeing that there's a possibility of having fans at the Big A and Dodger Stadium this season. That's a possibility. If we have fans at the Ponds, it would be at maybe a 10 or 15% capacity. It would be fun to see those 
fans come out for Kings versus Ducks. That'd be fun. And those tickets you know would sell. So that's my prediction. That's my possibility. If it were to happen, it'd be at a very reduced capacity. Like I said, 10 to 15%. And that is it, which means we'll see approximately, if it happens, anywhere from 2,000 to 2,500 fans inside the Ponda. And it has been a long time since we've had that. In fact, we're coming up to a year, one year, since fans were allowed inside Honda Center. Oh, it's been a long year, folks. And this season has been a long year. Uh, That is the mailbag. Thank you all for your questions. Once again, mailbag every other week. Keep sending in those questions. All right, we're going to wrap things up for the day and for the week. Next week, Sarah Avampada will join me and we will preview the Kings versus Ducks. We're also going to have the Tournament of Champions of Hockey Jeopardy. That takes place next week. We also have Goals Thursday and more. So make sure you are subscribed to Locked On Anaheim Ducks so you do not miss an episode. Also, make sure to rate and comment if you haven't already. My Twitter's at StimpyJD. The show's Twitter is at LO underscore Ducks. And I mentioned the email. Again, thank you for the questions. And that's a great wrap-up to the week. Kind of a hopeful wrap-up. I hope to see fans at the Ponda sooner rather than later. So thank you all once again for listening. It is appreciated. For Locked on Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great weekend, everyone. Don't forget there is Ducks hockey Friday and Saturday against the Colorado Avs. So be safe, wear a mask, please be kind to one another, and especially Ducks fans, please be kind to Ducks fans. They're really going through it right now. Eight losses in a row, they're going through it. So please be kind, and Ducks fly together. Communication.